writers on the beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every episode of this podcast will bring in a variety of experts to help all writers incorporate more authentic cops, crime, and criminals in their stories. For this episode, debut novelist Elle Marr steps into the interrogation room to clear up a few things about her writing, research, and craft. Elle is originally from Sacramento, California, and she spent considerable time and effort exploring Southern California's urban wilderness before expatting to France. She lived in Paris for three wine and cheese filled years, during which she earned a master's degree from Sorbonne University. Now back in the U.S., Elle lives and writes near Portland, Oregon, and her first published story is not to be missed. Thank you, Elle, for coming on to Writers on the Beat. I am so thrilled with this new debut novel you've put out, and I'm absolutely loving reading this right now. It's a, a, a veritable textbook for a craft perspective. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Now, for readers who don't have the benefit of an advanced copy of The Missing Sister, what do you want them to know about this book? Um, you know, aside from the blurb, uh, this story is at its heart about sisters and sibling relationships and uh, family dynamics in general, but uh, all of that thrown against the seediest corners of Paris and with more than one pursuer following my protagonist, Shayna. It's, uh, you know, at its heart, designed to be a mental trip to Paris, something I think mm -hmm. a lot of people might appreciate uh, right now, but it's not <laughs> <Yes>. your... <laughs> It's not your TripAdvisor version of the city either. Um, my goal in writing a story was to highlight some of the lesser-known areas of Paris, and in particular, mm -hmm. its lesser-known history. Um, I love stories that teach me something about a place and fuse reality with fiction like I've attempted to do by including the catacombs of Paris here. Um, it's also important to me that readers see a diverse cast of characters in The Missing Sister, and for readers to know that my main characters are mixed race and also Americans who find themselves in a foreign environment. So it's kind of that, um, that double other, other, mm -hmm. um, situation and these scenes of representation and cultural and self-identity of occupying that space of the other are major ones. I really want readers to be aware of. When I opened up this book and started reading it, the, the first sentence, not like the first page, not the first paragraph, but the first sentence really grabbed hold of me and, and and made sure that you hooked to that really deeply. And the first plot twist comes in the very first chapter. And from a craft perspective, you've absolutely guaranteed everybody's going to keep reading this book. Um, I wonder how you went about crafting that uh, or what inspired that anyway to, to make that so effective for you. Well, thank you, first uh, and foremost, for saying that. I, um, In the past, I would say, I have opened a book and I have um, really weighed that first sentence as um, a great indicator of what's to come. And so mm -hmm. crafting a first sentence of my story that was hooking, that was um, that really drove the reader to continue reading was important to me. Um, and so I, I sat down and I, I just thought, what would grab my attention? And that's how I came to that first sentence. And then the very end, the first plot twist that you mentioned, um, really, it comes back to the same desire to uh, 
ensure the reader keeps reading and to also allow to um, to acknowledge that the reader may not continue reading. And uh, it's my job as the author to ensure that, you know, that choice to reader to not continue reading is a very small, quick one. It's, um, it was important to me to really have everyone rubberneck in that moment mm-hmm. and uh, really have the choice to continue be a no-brainer. Now, I understand you have uh, a very personal connection to to Paris having lived there and a lot of your personal experiences probably, you know, contributed heavily to this story. I wonder if there's any of them in particular that that you most wanted to make sure that got into this book. Ooh, that's also a good question because there are so many. <laughs> um, as with anything that's uh, really affecting, I, you know, I have thousands of photos from Paris mm-hmm. um, and thousands, you know, more memories and uh, key events that occurred there. Um, And in the surrounding countryside, I lived in Normandy, um, the region, for Mm. uh, three years. Um, It was really important to me to highlight some of the lesser-known areas of Paris, to not just Mm -hmm. um, give the Eiffel Tower its due, but then to also explore the streets beside it, or some of my favorite um, patisseries or boulangeries, bakeries, Mm -hmm. Uh, or restaurants um, that I frequented and continue to frequent over whenever I'm able to return. Um, but in particular, the catacombs. I found the catacombs to be so, um, I guess, like spellbinding is a good word. Yes. Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, have you have you been to the catacombs yourself, mm-hmm. Gavin? Yes. Yeah. It's an insane, very unique place. Um, yes. I've been to the catacombs of Rome as well. And, you know, not to compare catacombs, obviously they're, (laughs) they're each um, (laughs) incredibly important uh, places of of history and Mm -hmm. uh, personal significance for many people. But uh, the catacombs of Paris um, are such a labyrinthine, interesting, concentrated place of history and death and Mm -hmm. of, um, nuanced ghost stories so um it it held the place itself held a lot of um interest for me personally and then the more i researched them the more i realized a lot of people have written about them and a lot of people have spent time down there um for some people to their death actually Mm -hmm. it's a a very um well-known and well-frequented place of, uh, I guess, of for fans of uh, both history and um, death around the world. Yeah, I, I think that uh, catacombs in, in, in general, but especially those of a major city like, like Paris or, or Rome that are visited relatively frequently, right? Um, they're probably some of the best known and most mysterious places in uh Kind of much to me, much like Paris in general, I, I have a very complicated relationship with Paris, and I absolutely love the city, and I absolutely detest specific elements of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, with you there. You know, and every time, every time I go back, I have a very different experience, and in 
doing some research for, for some of my own work, um, I've uncovered a lot of the kind of these minor histories or lesser known histories that are, you know, outside the Eiffel Tower, the Notre Dame, the, the, the highlights that most people get on their TripAdvisor site, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more I find out about it, the more I want to spend time there. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's like this, like this ex-girlfriend that I know I should break up with, but she's still really <laughs> intriguing, you know? Yes, I could see that. Yeah. Definitely. And I think as, as Americans also, or maybe I'll just speak for myself, um, it's also really uh, mind blowing to me that so much history has just happened mm-hmm. on about every corner in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just about, I mean, you'll look, you'll walk around, you'll look up and see plaques that um, describe interesting events that occurred right above you. And you had no idea if you were mm-hmm. just uh, scrolling through your TripAdvisor app, looking for the major highlights. Yeah, and being such an old city, the um, I'm going to totally mispronounce it um, because my French is absolutely terrible. Um, but the the Ile de Cité, the the mm-hmm. central island um, where uh, Notre Dame sits, and, and the 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 uh, the main offices still of of the municipal government reside, that was first occupied, I think, by uh, by Romans in like 52 A.D. And wow. so that, that is such an old city. I mean, mm-hmm. they refer to Rome as the eternal city, but civilization has been on Paris's grounds since about that's, well, not, that's not fair. So it's been on the, on the, its grounds for, you know, a couple thousand years now. Yeah, and absolutely. Still centered around that same environment. That so, is really interesting. Yeah. And so you, you can't, you know, the, you, can't walk a block, I think, in cities like Paris without coming across or coming into contact with something that's centuries old. And here in the U.S., right, we take it, you know, anything, a 26-year-old car here can be classified as historic. <laughs> you know, so it's such a different perspective on history. Yeah, well put. Absolutely. Um, and I, I like that you mentioned Ile de la Cité because um, I actually, that's another um location that I included in the missing sister that I wanted to draw attention to. I didn't mention how, how ancient it actually is, but I love that you added that um, detail. I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. I didn't find that out until I was doing a uh, research on a conspiracy novel um, mm-hmm. about, uh, yeah. And came across a bunch of those things like uh, the, you know, uh, the cathedral of, uh, you know, Americans would say St. Dennis, uh, mm-hmm. St. Denis um, as a much more significant and older uh, historic cathedral than Notre Dame, but it's it's visited mm-hmm. far less. Um, there's just so much there to see. Absolutely. Uh, and from a writing perspective, I think cities like Paris, like Rome, uh, have so many of those historic layers that you can incorporate those very effectively into a thriller or a standalone or the, these novels that um, have complex characters from complex places. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I definitely think that um, there's so much. Obviously, it's it's really fun to just completely make up a world, but mm-hmm. um, I think there's so much interesting history and detail about really any location that um, you know your average reader might not be aware of. Um, so it's it's doubly fun to then use a, a city as visible and as historically significant as Paris to then create a story around. For me, at least. No, and. In terms of the point of view and your your point of view characters, um, did you set out when you started crafting this to deliberately 
write this in a specific point of view, or did the characters kind of suss that out for you as they introduce themselves? That's a, that's a great question because it wasn't always clear to me myself. I <laughs> <laughs> um, I began writing the story as a panster, meaning I didn't have mm-hmm. a plot or a structure in mind. I asked myself what would keep me reading and what would grab my attention and hold on to it. Um, And so I I began writing the story from Sheena's perspective as a woman in mourning coming to Paris, um, but then really allowed the rest of it to organically develop from there, um, the other perspectives that come into play. Um, For me, a lot of uh, really uh, intriguing literature that I read stems from feeling deeply that protagonist's perspective or feeling deeply that narrator's perspective. And I, I tried to do that with Shana. Now, I wonder when you first knew that you wanted to write to be a, a writer or novelist and when you first realized you could write something people really wanted to read. I love that distinction. <laughs> 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 because they're, those are very two different things, yes. um, certainly. And I have, uh, I've traveled from one end to the other, I think. And, um, yeah, I've always been a voracious reader to answer your Mm -hmm. question. And I think, you know, every good writer should be a, a very, a very, um, hungry reader. And, um, I remember sitting in the backseat of my parents' car as a kid and Mm -hmm. lifting up comic books so that the headlights from the car behind us would cast enough light so I could keep reading. And I wouldn't have to stop reading. From that end, I think I wrote a, you know, dozens of little journals as a kid, mm-hmm. um, with half stories that were never finished because no one wants. Even as an eight-year-old, I got bored of my own stories. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, but I knew that I wanted to write, and I just didn't think writing was something that anyone could just do. It seemed like it required um, intensive study and maybe a master's degree. Um, and certainly I think that is the path for a lot of people. Uh, but I personally have never taken a writing class and I didn't major in creative writing in college, but I've always been creative at heart doing a lot of theater Mm -hmm. and musicals. Um, I think the second part of your question, when I knew that I could write something that people might want Mm -hmm. to read, hopefully, um, (laughs) I did NaNoWriMo for the first time mm-hmm. while living in France, Snowden. And NaNoWriMo is, a, uh, you know, for those of your listeners that don't know, is National Novel Writing Month, and it occurs in November every year. Um, I just, I tried my hand at it of writing a novel in a month and shared a few of the early pages with um, strangers online <laughs> since my English-speaking mm-hmm. friends in France were few and far between at that point. And those strangers online didn't hate them, so I, I kept going. Now, I wonder if there were writing mentors along the way who kind of helped hone your craft or your career or helped encourage you to, to pursue this. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> I would love to answer yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would have made my path so much more, I won't say easier, um, but maybe easier and uh, and certainly more enriching. Uh, I didn't have a traditional path to writing, as I, I kind of just uh, said. I didn't have any personal 
writing mentors who guided me here. I stumbled upon writing novels during NaNoWriMo. Uh, and the people who helped me find my voice were my critique partners and other writers who are working toward their own publishing careers at the time. I will say I also heavily consumed Stephen King's mm -hmm. memoir on writing. I yes. think that's a fantastic yeah. work to study and follow along with. Now, I also wonder who some of your favorite writers are. You've already mentioned that you're a, a pretty avid reader. Uh, who are your preferred authors or, or the your favorite series that you like to read? I, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> Um, I just off the top of my head, I think favorite authors to read would be Jillian Flynn, Hannah French, Celeste Ng. She's um, an author that I, I recently gotten into that I really enjoy. And she's not a crime fiction, crime fiction or a thriller author, but her work has uh, elements of suspense throughout each of her two books. And then Stephen King. I I haven't read all of his work, but um, I'm a big fan, and I actually discovered him first by reading Richard Bachman's The Regulators mm. uh, in the sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> and I distinctly <laughs> <laughs> remember reading it during, I think, free time in class in sixth grade, mm -hmm. and stumbling on a passage uh, that really was pretty horror, <laughs> pretty squarely in the horror genre and thinking, should I be reading this as an 11 year old? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're getting away with something. Exactly. But I was so engrossed. I couldn't, I couldn't not finish it. And then mm -hmm. once I realized uh, Richard Bachman was actually Stephen King, I, I got more into his work, but I generally prefer standalone thrillers or stories that could be mm -hmm. classified as probably multi-genre with a bent toward suspense. A lot of the, uh, the, the accolades uh, for The Missing Sister have included a claim around the insight of what it's like to be a twin, and I wonder if that's something personal, if, if you, in fact, are a twin. I am not. I am not. However, I um, have twins run in both sides of my family, mm -hmm. um, so I've grown up with twins, but I would not um, claim to know or be some kind of authority on twins as a whole. Um which is why I generally try to emphasize the missing sister is about sister relationships, sibling relationships mm -hmm. as a, a, in general. But um, I do have, I do have twins on both sides of my family. And I distinctly recall asking my cousins when we were kids, uh, whether or not they were psychically connected. Yes. <laughs> and um, they said, no. <laughs> they so, lied. <laughs> right. Exactly. They lied. Thank you. But that put uh, an end to that line of questioning. Now, for our last question that I'd like to ask a lot of the authors who come on the uh, Writers on the Beat, oh, God forbid it should come to pass, but were you to wake up tomorrow and find that you've been murdered, who would you assign your own homicide as a, a fictional investigator, a detective, a PI, a revenge artist? Who would you want working your case? Oh, no. <laughs> um... Ooh, I, let's see, I would probably say if I am myself um, residing in the United States, I would go to uh, Dana Anderson, 
of Kelly Garrett's uh, Detective by Day series, if only for the laughs that I know would ensue while Day <laughs> pursued uh, my killer, um, because I think it'd be entertaining for anybody watching or reading, uh, and because I know that she'd get the job done. <laughs> and she's uh, she's a resident of Los Angeles, where I also lived for three years, and um, you know I have to I have to throw her some additional work out of loyalty. Well, I greatly appreciate you coming on the show. Well, it's been a fantastic pleasure talking to you, and I, I am so looking forward to getting through the, the rest of The Missing Sister. This is a fantastic read, and I'm grateful you've put it out for us. Well, thank you so much for reading, Gavin. It's been a real pleasure being here, and uh, I appreciate you having me. You've been listening to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters, a copyrighted broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Gavin Reitz, and this episode's guest has been debut novelist Elmar. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there.